0: My regular job, as you will find out. (laughs) But I consider myself a free thinker. I haven't always been one. I grew up in a middle-class family, and we attended the Christian church fairly regularly, now called the Disciples of Christ. I helped in the children's RE. I sang in the choir. I went to youth fellowship. I spent wonderful weeks at summer camp and I accepted what I was told about Christianity. Many of my friends also attended church and we had a good social group. No talk about hell and no trauma. Then when I was twenty and a student at the University of Missouri, I took a course in comparative religions. The professor challenged us with the question, Why do you believe as you do? It came down to the simple answer. I am a Christian because my parents were, and that is how I was raised. I had never questioned this before. Had I been born in Iraq, I probably would have been a Muslim, and I would have been certain that my religion was the right one. So 59 years ago, my free thinking began. It has continued over the years and is still in progress. Of course, I didn't know I was a freethinker until many years later because in the interim, I discarded almost anything having to do with religion. It wasn't until I moved to Oklahoma and started attending Hope Unitarian Church That I realized what I had been missing. So, when Reverend Kathy asked me if I would be willing to give a sermon on free thinking, I agreed. I had read Susan Jacoby's book, Free Thinkers A History of American Secularism, and I thought it wouldn't be too hard. I was wrong. Preparing a sermon is much more difficult than preparing a mathematical lecture. My first attempts were very pedantic and definitely came across at least an hour's lecture in history. Well, with Reverend Kathy's help and encouragement, I tried again, and I hope on the fifth revision, not to run over mm, 20, 25 minutes, (laughs) I hope, but being an educator, I would like to start with a pop quiz. It's an easy one. How many of you know what a free thinker is? Raise your hands. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> okay, we've well, got, got, got some education here. <laughs> now, of how many of you consider, though, who know what it is, consider yourself a free thinker? Raise your hands. Well, I had more hands that time than I did the first time. <laughs> 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 All right, well, here's some questions for you, but you don't have to answer these except in your own mind and listen for the answers if you can find them in my talk today are all Unitarian Universalists free thinkers here's a harder one William Ellery Channing was an Arian in his theology that means he believed in only one God but he believed in the divinity of that God and in the divinity of Jesus Do you think he was a free thinker? All right, so we better look at some definitions. A free thinker. One who forms opinions based on reason, independently of authority, especially one who doubts or denies religious dogma. Now, there's another thing. Question to think about. To be considered a free thinker, does one have to form all of one's opinions based on reason? If so, I think a lot of us are in trouble. Does one have to deny all religious dogma? Free thought is a philosophical viewpoint that holds that opinions should be formed on the basis of logic, reason, and empiricism, and not on a authority, tradition, or dogmas, and its practitioners are known as freethinkers. So, what does freethinker really mean in practice? And this has come from a, a, um, a talk by Susan Jacoby. Freethinker and free thought are terms that date from the end of the 17th century. Free thinker basically meant someone who did not believe in the received word of the Bible or the authority of religion. Free thinkers have often been described as people who don't believe in God, but it's more accurate to see free thought as a kind of a broad spectrum, ranging from those who really don't believe in God at all to those deists who believe in a God who set the universe in motion but afterwards didn't take any active affair in the roles of men. By the end of the 19th century, freethinkers even included liberal Protestants, liberal Protestant dominations, and Unitarians. Even though they believed in God and in some form of Christianity, they did not believe in any religious authorities, such as priests and bishops and popes. So there was a spectrum of people in the freethought community who all were opposed to at least some of the religious orthodoxies of their day. Who would the term freethinker encompass today? Again, the, the comments from Susan Jacoby. Quote, I would say my definition of free thinker from the past is just as good as the definition of free thinker today. I prefer it to agnostic or atheist or anything else you might come up with. It also encompasses the idea that if God did create man, he created rationality as a supreme instrument for understanding the natural world. In her book, Jacobi also states that what these many types of freethinkers share, regardless of their views on the existence or non existence of a deity, is a rationalist approach to fundamental questions of earthly existence, a conviction that the affairs of humans should be governed not by faith in the supernatural. But by a reliance on reason and evidence adduced from the natural world. Now, does that answer the question for you? Are all Unitarians free thinkers? We do not have a creed and are expected to develop our own theology based on reason. Of course, the catch is what appears reasonable to one person may not appear reasonable or rational to somebody else because of different cultures and different experiences. So I guess you can all be correct in your answers to questions three and four, regardless how you answer them. (laughs) Secularism is the principle that morality... Should be based solely on regard to the well being of mankind in the present life, to the exclusion of all considerations drawn from belief in God or a future state. In one sense, secularism asserts that the government cannot oppose religion or religious beliefs upon its citizens. In another sense, It refers to the view that human activities and decisions, especially political ones, should be unbiased by religious influence. We all know that many of the original settlers came to the New World in order to escape religious persecution and state-dominated religions, only to form domination over the colonies which they started. The colonies became states, and their religious restrictions were based on old prejudices and on the strength of various constituencies. For example, in New York, although there were very few Jews at the time, since they were very economically in charge of New York City, Jews were considered as citizens, while Catholics were not. Whether you had legal rights depended upon whether you were a Protestant, and by this we mean a Trinitarian, Catholic, Jew, whatever. Only in Virginia, thanks to Thomas Jefferson, did the state constitution guarantee complete legal equality to all citizens of all religions or of no religion whatsoever. Beginning with the Revolutionary Era, free thinkers periodically achieved substantial influence on American society, only to be vilified in periods of reaction. Fortunately for us, the federal constitution, which was modeled after that of the state of Virginia, was adopted during one of those periods of high influence. Otherwise, it might never have happened. On the 100th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, Robert Green Ingersoll, the foremost champion of free thought and the most famous orator of the 19th century, paid tribute to, quote, the first secular government that was ever founded in this world. Ingersoll, also known as the great agnostic, praised the framers of the Constitution for deliberately omitting any mention of God in the nation's founding document and instead acknowledging we the people as the supreme governmental authority. He stated, we have retired the gods from politics. Sorry, Mr. Ingersoll. (laughs) Although the Constitution separated church and state, conventional religion was still based on the supernatural, and it was not replaced but with a humanism rooted in rationality and the law of nature. So here we are, 139 years later, still contempting, contending with attempts by the religious fundamentalists to infuse every public issue with their theological values, issues from public education to capital punishment, from gay marriage to climate change. By 1800, this is not that long after the Constitution was signed, Americans enter their first cycle of reaction against this secular heritage that they'd had just a few years before. Thomas Paine, who was the author of Common Sense, was regarded as a hero in the 1770s, but he was severely castigated less than 30 years later for his publication of The Age of Reason. Nevertheless, free thought expanded, and many of New England's Puritan-found Congregationalist churches were transformed into much more liberal and rational Unitarian churches, which rejected not only predestination, but a wide variety of Orthodox Christian tenets, including the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Also at this time, universalist churches arose, and they maintained that God intended every human being to be saved, Based on the Orthodox religious belief of their day, I think it's fair to assume that Unitarians and Universalists were at least semi free thinkers. The great nineteenth century free thinkers came from the northeastern states and from the new states west of the Alleghenies. These free thinkers helped shape and were shaped by two movements abolitionism and the women's rights. Since the southern culture was based on the institution of slavery and on women being treated as less than competent, southern dissidents, southern grown dissidents, had no choice but to move to the north. And the southern culture gave gave rise to an orthodox, fundamentalist religion which supported slavery. And remnants of that religion still exist today in the so-called Bible Belt, where we live, where fundamentalism flourishes. When Charles Darwin, who along with his wife were, were, was uh, a Unitarian, when he published On the Origin of the Species, it was readily accepted by the Unitarians and the Universalists as being one more step away from the Bible. But the teaching of secular science in American public schools is continuously being attacked by fundamentalists up to the present day, setting the United States apart from all the other developed countries of the world. The period, roughly from 1875 to 1914, represents the high watermark of free thought, as an influential movement in American society. Now, it's not that a majority of the Americans were persuaded by rationalist or anti-religious arguments, but that those arguments reached a much broader public than they ever had in the past. Freethinkers, which once comprised mainly the intellectuals in the northeastern states now spread into the frontiers of the populist Midwest and West. This was the era of the free thought lecture circuit. Americans flocked to lectures in every area of the country. The most popular of these lectures was Robert Ingersoll, who, founded, who found it, quote, a great pleasure to drive the fiend of fear out of the hearts of men and women and children and a positive joy to put out the fires of hell. Free thought lecturers unable to hold out the prospect of salvation or threaten damnation in the next world could appeal to their audience only by holding out a different vision of how to think and live on this earth. The consistent message of free thinkers in the late 19th century was that human beings must seek solutions to their problems not in heaven, but on earth. One of the glories of the 19th century free thought was that its most passionate adherents never laid claim to absolute knowledge professed by those of the orthodox faiths. Another fact. Freedom of religion meant just that the freedom to believe in and practice one's creed. It did not mean that particular religious beliefs were exempt from public criticism or even from public ridicule. Would that that were true today. The 1920s marked the end of the free thought movement as a distinct intellectual force in America. Members of the new generation of free thinkers invested their energy in causes rather than in the promotion of free thought itself. Causes such as civil liberties, birth control, the defense of science, the fight against capital punishment, the expanded economic and, and legal rights for women, and above all, the expansion of public education. And those are the same issues that we are fighting for today. But beliefs based on emotions are strong and very hard to overcome. Arguments based on logic often have a difficult time penetrating the mind clouded by emotion. And a religion which promises a heavenly afterlife, the religion of your parents and of your childhood, certainly provides an armor against rational thinking. I find the religious influence on politics today truly frightening. The abortion issue is a case in point. I can understand a person being opposed to the process of abortion, but to enforce a personal viewpoint on all women, many of whom have different stances, is a misuse of religion to murder an abortion provider is a misuse of religion. To deny birth control to a woman is a misuse of religion. For a county clerk to deny a marriage license to a gay couple because of a personal view is a violation of the couple's legal and civil right just because of a religious belief. To insist upon the Ten Commandments monument on a courthouse ground is a blatant attempt to bridge the wall of separation between church and state. The problem, of course, is not religion of whatever brand as a spiritual force, but religion melded with political ideology and political power. Since the religiously correct do not acknowledge any danger in mixing religion and politics, evil acts committed in the name of religion must always be dismissed as the dementia of criminals and psychopaths. It's crucial for today's freethinkers to convey the passion of humanism, as Ingersoll once did, to move hearts as well as to change minds. American seculars have trouble deciding what to call themselves today, partly because the term has been so denigrated by the right, and in part because the word secularist sounds so mm, bureaucratic. <laughs> it's time to revise, revive the evocative and honorable free thinker with its insistence that Americans think for themselves instead of relying on authoritative dogma. The combination of free and thought embodies every ideal that secularists still hold out to a nation founded not on a dream of justice in heaven, but on the best human hopes here on earth. May it be so.